Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. It is uh, the 23rd, I think, uh, Monday of March 2009. And uh, I've been working on a project to do with the older podcasts. And it's so strange to see and hear that, uh, you know, late 2005, early 2006. It really is an amazing thing to hear that this is uh, three and a bit years old, this conversation. As a whole, I guess... Uh, that's really quite amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I guess I've been, it was, it was, I think, May of 07 that I quit the software gig to do this full time. And it's really remarkable to think that, uh, it's been a year and three quarters or whatever since then. And, uh, it is a wonderful thing and exciting and humbling and, and, and a thing which I'm always grateful for. To think, well, you know, we did this for a year and a half, and uh, then I was able to make the leap with your kind generosity to represent full-time, and uh, thank you so much. Uh, I know I say it a lot, but I, I never feel I can say it enough. Uh, I just never feel that, um, I never feel I say it enough that, that how grateful I am to have the opportunity, the privilege, the honor to uh, represent philosophy with your support. And, you know, of course, uh, donators and subscribers, thank you so much, and this I don't say enough, and I want to sort of point it out here that I'm aware, uh, of course, the, that a lot of people support uh, the philosophy uh, that we talk about here in non-monetary ways, uh, in um, uh, keeping me in body butter and uh, edible thongs, uh, all of that kind of good stuff. Uh, by the way, sour keys, not my flavor, uh, but thanks uh, to the donator. But the people who go and uh, post about uh, FDR or, or hand books out or talk to people about philosophy and say, here's a good resource, uh, who blog and, and so on. I, I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, it, it, it's I say it's non-monetary, but of course it isn't. Uh, it is specifically monetary, the support that you're throwing my way. Uh, I used to have to spend you know up to 2000 bucks a month on advertising, which was quite exciting when I was making about $3 more than that. Uh, so uh, I really do appreciate that. I've had to scale back on advertising a lot, partly because of the free books that was, I guess, a policy that I started April of last year, I think. And uh, also uh, as a result of the donation of time and energy that people who maybe can't give or don't want to give money but are giving time in other ways. And, and I really do appreciate that so much. Uh, I really, uh, it sounds perhaps corny, but it's absolutely true. Every day I think of uh, the support and trust and uh, uh, backing uh, of of you, uh, of everybody in this conversation, and particularly those who've contributed uh, financially and in other ways. Uh, I think about how I can best represent philosophy, not myself, not FDR, but philosophy, and and given that you're throwing some bucks my way to help make the world a better place, I, I really do think about that every day before as I sit down. It's like, okay, how can I best, uh, how can I make the people who've given me such trust as happy as possible? And uh, I'm sure I don't always do it perfectly, and I'm sure I'm, I often don't do it even imperfectly, but that is always the goal, and I hope that you would agree that as a whole, it's uh, it's working out, and and if it's not for you, uh, always please tell me what uh, what I can do that's that's better, uh, because that really is is the goal. So uh, I wanted to um, I talk a little bit about something that uh, shot up on the uh, board over the last day or two, and it's an interesting question. It's a really really interesting question. Uh, as as you may or may not know, I kind of got my start in the libertarian community 
at Lou Rockwell, L-E-W-R-O-C-K-W-E-L-L.com. And my archives, I believe, have since been erased uh, uh, from uh, Lou Rockwell's site. But nonetheless, I remain very uh, uh, grateful to have been given the opportunity to start uh, publishing uh, at, uh, at Lou Rockwell's uh, site. And uh, I guess the relationship went awry. I can't remember exactly when, but it was a while back. And I just stopped getting responses to uh, article submissions and sent a couple of emails asking uh, if anything was uh, the matter and never uh, never heard anything back. And, you know, nobody's <laughs> obligated to write me back or anything. So uh, I just figured that uh, either some of the controversy around FDR, although this was long, long before the media stuff, uh, some of the controversy around FDR or uh, my atheist stance was a problem. I, I don't know, and it doesn't doesn't really matter. But I've I've always been very uh, pleased to to uh, to have had that opportunity, and and it is a site that has some uh, excellent articles about economics uh, and economics in particular, and some good good um, alternate history uh, views. So um, so somebody posted at FDR uh, a um, uh, a video of Lou Rockwell giving a speech. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see it, but uh, they said it's always a pleasure to see. Lou Rockwell uh, speak, and uh, he's a good speaker and a good writer, in my opinion, and uh, not that I'm any exquisite judge of these things, but I, um, uh, it is a pleasure. I don't think of a, uh, uh, anything that I've seen or, or, or read of his uh, that uh, I'm like, well, a couple of things. So the Ron Paul thing, obviously, is not not to the taste of uh, your, your average uh, bedrock anarchist, but... Um, uh, certainly, his articles have been, uh, to me, passionate and uh, well written and uh, good uh, for for what that's worth, right? And you know, no, <laughs> no hostility. Uh, uh, we obviously have disagreements, uh, such as they are on uh, religion and the value of political action. But you know, uh, you certainly have to admire, in my opinion. Uh, I know that uh, he gave up his. Uh, uh, tax-free state, charitable status is tax-free status to support the wrong poll campaign because you can't be a political advocacy and claim, claim to be a charity. So, you know, talk about, <laughs> to use a yoga pretzel an analogy, putting your nuts where your mouth is, right? Uh, that is, uh, you know, throwing your eggs in a significantly shaky basket. And that kind of been an easy decision. And I'm sure that there's been some fallout since. And, you know, I guess you got to admire people, at least in my opinion, who who do follow through on their values. I mean, if you disagree with the values, whatever, right? But there is that kind of uh, uh, go get them stuff that uh, I know can't be easy. Uh, and uh, of course, I mean, in my own way, I've done that. Right? I quit the job and quit my career and and do this uh, crazy job for a living. But uh, so you know, kudos to and and you know, obviously, there's a lot of good political and economic information that's out there and you know i got my start and so on so you know no no uh, hostility obviously there's there's disagreements and uh, uh, significant disagreements about both form and content in terms of freeing the world but uh, of course it's not a philosophical site right i mean so it's it's a different kind of beast right i mean it's political economics a smattering of history uh, and you know there's some essayists and so on who talk about personal stuff but it's not a philosophical site uh, it is uh, you know econ History politics. That's what what they what they do uh, over there. So it's not uh, it doesn't have the same breadth and depth of methodology that a philosophical site does, right? Because I mean, 
that's what FDR is, you know, whether, you know, whether um, you, you agree with it or not. Uh, it definitely is, you know, from first principles, uh, whether you like it or not, we have to follow reason and evidence to its conclusions. And we don't have the luxury of excluding uh, particular areas or fields from, you know, the rigors and demands of reason and evidence. So uh, that is, uh, that is the difference uh, between uh, what I'm doing and, and what, uh, what they're doing, right? I mean, they'll do the reason and evidence thing for uh, economics and uh, to a large degree, though, I would say not to a, a consistent degree to politics uh, and then not so much, right? Because the religion is, uh, you know, where reason and evidence are directly, <laughs> you know, uh, broken, squashed, tart and feathered. And so it doesn't have that same consistency. Uh, I don't agree with that, of course, right? Because I'm a philosopher and not a political activist or an economist. And uh, so that aspect of things, I think, is uh, is the fundamental difference. I don't have the luxury, so to speak, of excluding certain fields of inquiry from the reason and evidence first principles things, because philosophy is is not a river that goes around rocks, right? It is, it is, it has to be consistent from top to bottom, back to front. This doesn't mean that I'm always, I mean, I understand, right? It doesn't mean that I'm perfectly consistent. I mean, I aim for it and it's a value that I strive for and I hope that I'm always able to be called on it. But, uh, the, the, the methodology, it must be consistent. The, 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 uh, extent and the content and the process of reasoning must be consistent across all fields of inquiry, right? You can't be a biologist and exclude the emu from any biological considerations and in the same way you can't be a philosopher and exclude religion from the requirements for empiricism reason and uh, and evidence sorry we are continuing at the gym so you get to hear me hoist around my girly weights actually that is an insult to girls and there i mean (laughs) there are of course uh, a not insignificant coterie of um, people in the libertarian movement who consider my openness to talking about the non-aggression principle in the family as uh, discreditable or disreputable towards uh, libertarianism as a whole. In other words, we should talk about the non-aggression principle in realms that we can't conceivably affect, right? Like uh, the state and and, um, the Fed and foreign policy and Iraq and and so on, right? So we should talk about the non-aggression principle in realms that we can't conceivably have any effect on whatsoever, at least trackable, tangible, immediate effect. Uh, But we should studiously avoid the non-aggression principle in realms where we actually can have some effect in terms of enlightening people to the evils of violence that they may have suffered in their own lives, right? So we should we should only, only, only ever look at maps, uh, and we should never actually get in boats, right? We should only study Kung Fu by reading books. We should never actually spar. I mean, that's my perspective, or, you know, I, I, I prefer to uh, put my rubber on the road, so to speak. I I prefer to act in such a way that the values can be implemented rather than blogged about or just talked about and uh, of course those who are into political action would say that there's is you know that that their goals and approaches will bring freedom and so on but uh, and, and that's certainly true but that, that that's what they would argue but it's not proven in fact it's quite the opposite is proven in my opinion I mean, actually that's not an opinion that's a fact that uh, hundreds of years of libertarian efforts uh, we've got ended up with a huge state whereas 
when I have talked to someone about the uh, evils of violence in personal relationships, right, which it certainly conforms with the non-aggression principle, particularly against children, of course, and the, the reality of voluntarism, which is, uh, of course, ref- reframed by nutty people as uh, me busting families and so on, which is nonsense, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, simply reminding people that relations are voluntary is not giving them any orders, uh, but only facts, uh, basic facts, and facts which you know, freedom of association is fundamental to libertarianism, but you can only talk about it in terms of, I don't know, uh, the, the press or something, or unions, not uh, your actual relations in your life. So, uh, there are those who consider the actual implementation of ideals that we all believe in, uh, the evil of aggression, uh, of violence, and the reality uh, and virtue of voluntarism, who, who take these, you know, when I take these lofty abstract principles and on the request of listeners, help them apply them to their own personal lives uh, so that they can actually change their lives for the better, whether that means improving their relations or taking break from uh, abusive or destructive relations. Uh, it's not, uh, not up to me and not up to them. Fundamentally, it's up to the people in their lives. When I take these values out of the clouds and put them into action in people's lives, uh, there is <laughs> there is shock, horror, and and you know mad consternation, um, which I understand, right? I mean, it's it's tough to live your values, right? <laughs> it's tough to actually do, and it's relatively easy. And I say this as someone who spent a lot of time doing it. It's relatively easy to blog about the Fed, right? It's it's really tough to take these principles and put them into your own lives and how people apply voluntarism and the uh, opposition to uh, to violence uh, and abuse in their own lives to, to, to actually do it, right? Easy to talk about it. like Easy to think you're good at kung fu when you're watching a kung fu movie. Hard to get into the ring and trade some wax, right? And I understand that, but that's sort of where I'm coming from. But but to me, of course, the ironic thing, and, and it is ironic and it is uh, almost funny, uh, although, of course, there are aspects of it that aren't funny, but it's almost funny that... For me uh, to uh, help people to, I mean, I don't call up listeners and say, hey, tell me about your relationships, right? But when people have these kinds of challenges, when I uh, help people uh, actually live the values that we all claim to believe in, uh, it is considered enormously discreditable, <laughs> right, to, to libertarianism as a whole. Um, yet, to have enormously prominent libertarians believe in Jewish zombies rising from the dead, virgin births, talking snakes, and uh, uh, women made out of the rib, like dust women made out of the rib of a, a man, that is not considered to be discreditable to the intellectual rigor and value of libertarianism. Right? You, you, you see the contradiction that I... Uh, I am uh, talking about here, right? The contradiction is that for me to say, yes, voluntarism and the non-aggression principle uh, are very important values to live by, uh, not just to blog at, but to live by. And uh, then people do actually put these things into into practice. And uh, yeah, this is a shock, horror, oh my God, people are actually doing it. No, 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 let's get back to blogging. <laughs> let's get back to writing books uh, about... Uh, fiat currency and the constitution, right? 
and, and that is so is actually taking the values and putting them into practice is considered to be enormously disreputable to libertarianism uh, but but on the other hand um, having enormously prominent public the most prominent and public libertarian figures believe in invisible sky ghosts right and uh, magical resurrections and uh, uh, and so on uh, talking snakes and, and this sort of stuff that uh, is not considered to be disreputable to libertarianism, right? That is considered to be uh, just, you know, a different and alternate viewpoint. And that, of course, is quite remarkable to me uh, as, as a philosopher, right? I mean, as a libertarian, I could, sort of, I could sort of understand it, but I'm not fundamentally a libertarian. I'm a, I'm a philosopher. I think that a stateless society is a logical application of philosophical principles, and many of the things that libertarians talk about, to me, are valid applications of um, philosophical principles. But I'm not into conclusions. I mean, no philosopher, or I think intellectually uh, honest uh, thinker, is into conclusions, right? Because conclusions only flow from methodology, right? From reason and evidence, and to be into conclusions is to put the cart before the horse, right? We follow reason and evidence, <laughs> often reluctantly. I mean, wouldn't it be a fun world if you could, you know, fly Pegasus, ride unicorns, and if people did come back to life and you could live forever on a cloud after you died with those you love? I mean, what a delicious and wonderful fairy tale come true that would be. I mean, I'd love to live forever and spend eternity talking philosophy with Socrates and my wife, <laughs> right? Not necessarily in that order. Uh, it would be a wonderful thing, right? And and it would be a great deal of fun. But uh, the reason and evidence doesn't go there. Right? It goes to quite the opposite place, right? So reluctantly, right? I mean, <laughs> it's a shame, but, you know, uh, sun-baked Bedouin fairy tale books of nonsense are not uh, a sound basis for coming up with a, uh, a set of facts about uh, the world and its inhabitants. So, for me, saying non-aggression and voluntarism apply to all spheres of life, from the state to the family, is something that is considered to be, oh my God, what a what a disaster! <laughs> We're not supposed to do it. We're only supposed to talk about it. We're only supposed to apply quote apply these principles in realms where we cannot possibly act on them. But we're never ever supposed to take these principles and actually apply them to our own life where we can act upon them. And all all that, I mean, all that really communicates is that most libertarians don't believe in their principles, right? Clearly, if you say X is a great virtue, so I'm going to write a lot about X, and then someone says, you know what, I'm going to do X, and you consider that to be entirely disreputable and terrible and awful and (laughs) rail against them and and, uh, call them, you know, all sorts of bad names, all you're saying is that you don't believe in X, right? Because we judge people not by what they blog, but who they be. <laughs> it's what you do, not what you say. Actions speak louder than words, right? It's what you do, not what you say, that counts, right? So, if you're into the non-aggression principle and voluntarism, which logically and I believe morally uh, we, we should be, uh, then for people to put these values into practice uh, should be wonderful, right? It's like if you believe that a certain pill cures cancer, and you get cancer and you refuse to take that pill, you're just saying, well, after selling it to others for many years, all you're really saying is that you don't, you don't believe the pill cures. In fact, you believe the pill will make you sick, right? 
And so to me, there is this, you know, strangeness. I'm still puzzling through it. I don't have a clear handle on it. Um, the obvious conclusions are just too, <laughs> too abysmal for me to jump to. So I'm still trying to puzzle through it and come up with a kind of interpretation. So, but in the meantime, it, it seems very hard for me to, to accept that it's a sustainable and believable thesis that consistent application of libertarian principles in the sphere of life that we can actually do something about, which is our own life, our own relationships, that that is very bad for libertarianism, but a blanket rejection of evolution by Ron Paul and his supporters, uh, those who uh, have not called him to task on this, right, that a man trained in science, a doctor, is rejecting evolution, that that is not discreditable to libertarianism. That, to me, remains an incomprehensible thesis that I'm doing damage to libertarianism by helping people to live values we all share in their own lives, to reject violence and, uh, and promote voluntarism, that that is disreputable to libertarianism, but talking snakes and God-breathing life into plasticine animals is not, and a rejection of the absolutely credible and universally accepted theory that has been established uh, in, in over 250,000 scholarly peer-reviewed journals uh, that uh, evolution is not true. That doesn't discredit libertarianism nearly as much as a guy who says we should live our values. Not just, blo- not just talk about them, right? So, uh, that having been said... I'd like to go a little bit further about what flared up in the uh, uh, on the board at Free Domain Radio because I think it's interesting and I think it does have uh, a um, a lot of stuff to talk about and to think about in terms of relationship uh, uh, the relationship that people have with those who have similar conclusions but not a similar methodology. Right. Those who have similar conclusions, but not a similar methodology. And it's a real challenge uh, to, to figure out. And I'm obviously, I don't think there are any particularly easy answers, which is not to say that the question is not worth exploring. It's usually worth exploring more so, even under those circumstances. And there are, if I'm running through this in my head um, reasonably well, there are four possibilities, right, when it comes to methodology and conclusions. I mean three, really, but we'll talk about four to sort of make it clearer to begin with. The first is that you share methodology and conclusions, right? The second is that you share methodology but not conclusions, The third is that you do not share methodology, but you do share conclusions. And the fourth is that you share neither methodology nor conclusions. Now, the first two, I think, are somewhat illusory. And what I mean by that is that if you share the methodology, the conclusions should be, uh, you know, pretty much the same. Right? Like, you don't take 
science, apply it to the question of the origin of the species, and come up with, you know, Zeus used a fire-breathing dragon, and the species adapted uh, 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 to environments uh, through survival of the fittest evolutionary mechanisms. Or, you know, that's probably not a great summation of the theory of evolution, but just so you... You understand, uh, you're not, you're not going to use science to come up with human beings, you know, were snapped into existence by an invisible sky ghost in the Garden of Eden until they were tempted by a talking snake. Science isn't going to lead you there, right? And there may be some differences in conclusions, right? I mean, there's lots of disagreement about certain aspects of quantum theory and superstring theory remains somewhat uh, challenging for, for a lot of people to sort of get behind or to prove, you know, the number of dimensions it requires just seems kind of absurd and so on, right? But my knowledge of science is not nearly <laughs> good enough to talk about this but any level of competence, so um, let's just say that there definitely are disagreements. So there are those who share a methodology but do not share the same conclusions. But that is almost never the case when there is sufficient information. Right? So there are those, like everybody who everybody who accepts the scientific method accepts the heliocentric model of the solar system, right? That the Earth goes around the Sun, the Sun goes around the Milky Way, and the Milky Way orbits Bounty or Mars or some other candy bar. And so when uh, people have sufficient information and a sufficient methodology, they will arrive at the same conclusions. We, no, no, no scientist or anybody who accepts science and thinks that the world is, is a banana-shaped, right? <laughs> so when you have sufficient information and the same methodology, you will arrive at the same conclusion. So, for instance, uh, to take another example, sorry to, you know, beat the, the, the concept of death, but I want to get this out of the way. If, like, two mathematicians who are given the same equations and the same variables will work out the same results. Right, you give two mathematicians five by seven, and they will come up with 35, both of them, right? They have the, now, if you say 5 by x, they won't be able to come up with anything other than 5x, right? Some algebraic shorthand. So, I think that aspect is important. There is disagreement when you share the same methodology. There is disagreement about conclusions, but only when there's insufficient information. And while there is disagreement about conclusions, there is still no different, uh, no um, differentiation. Oh, sorry, no dis fundamental disagreement about methodology. So, we don't know, you know, what happened right before the Big Bang or during at very early parts of the Big Bang. We also don't know what is happening down at the subatomic subquark level. But we do know that the answer is not for, to be found in the Bible, right? We, we do know, it's like those who accept science do know that the answer is not going to be found by praying to Hira, right? So, uh, there's re when there's agreement on methodology, then there's really no disagreement on conclusions. Now, that having been said, that really is only in the realm of objective science and reason, 
right? Empiricism. So, for instance, there are lots of people who have a methodology, a sad number of people, who have a methodology for, quote, discovering truth that goes something along the lines of, let's pray. It's written in a book somewhere, some ancient text. And those people have a same, the same quote methodology, but of course I would argue that that's not a methodology at all. And uh, so if the methodology is, I'm going to consult my inner sky ghost for the answer, since there is no external God, right, people are just asking themselves, and there is, that isn't really a methodology. Right? It's, it's not a methodology to say, the answer will be found in my dream tonight. And your dream too, right? They have different dreams. And, right? It's not really a methodology. So those people don't come up with any conclusions that are particularly similar. And of course, the only way you end up with organized madness in this way is through uh, the in- institutionalization of the propaganda of children, right? I.e., uh, religion. So, where there is agreement in method, in rational and empirical methodology, then you get agreement in conclusions, unless there's wildly insu- like significantly insufficient information. Then you get interpretations that all attempt to explain the facts to varying degrees of success and preference, and there remains a sort of chaos aspect to it until one theory emerges uh, that is better able to explain or predict the facts. So that's uh, agreement and methodology, disagreement and conclusions, agreement and methodology, agreement and conclusions. Now, when people disagree in methodology, they may still agree in conclusions, right? So, um, if we take the word kill to mean murder, the uh, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, other than not coveting your neighbor's wife's ass or something, is that uh, thou shalt not kill, and that is a conclusion. And UPB and lots of other ethical approaches, methodologies, and theories, in fact, just about all of them, would say, thou shalt not kill, right? Or in the UPB formula, any ethical theory that advocates killing is logically inconsistent and therefore wrong. So, whether you frame it as thou shalt not kill, and kill is defined as the initiation of force which resulting in the death of another, uh, not in initiation meaning not in self-defense, then, yeah, UPB and lots of other ethical theories, and the Bible all come up with thou shalt not kill. <laughs> but in the absence of methodology, there frankly can't be any real agreement in conclusions. In the absence of a consistent methodology, there can't really be any consistency in conclusions. Right, so if you imagine uh, you know, an airplane, its hangar cracks and a box full of dots falls out of the sky and somebody has left in a junk heap uh, a, um, a dartboard, right, and one of the dots fly, hang, falling down from the plane, one of the darts lands bullseye on the dartboard, and we say, wow, that pilot's really good at darts, right? I mean, that wouldn't make any sense, right? Because he's not really good at darts because it's accidental where the dart landed. And so when we have a conclusion, you know, somebody who puts, you know, from a decent distance, who puts a dart into a bullseye is really good at darts. Well, the, the pilot has made perhaps the longest dart throw in history and has hit a bullseye, but we would not say that the pilot is good at darts, because 
this is accidental, right? It doesn't have any meaningful content. It's, and and so the an, an assertion such as "Thou shalt not kill" has no philosophical content whatsoever. Now, the fact that I might agree with that conclusion uh, it doesn't mean that I agree with a statement written down is true because it is a statement written down, or a statement written down is true because an invisible being that can never be detected told me so, or something like that, right? So I don't have any agreement with the statement, thou shalt not kill, because it has no truth content to it. It is a mere assertion. And uh, any truth value which it contains could only be brought by some external source, right? Some philosophical source, right? So, if Darwin's grandfather said, hey, uh, I believe in evolution because God tells me it's correct. Well, that would not be any kind of proof for evolution, right? Because there would be no truth content in such a statement. It would merely be a statement, you know, like uh, the wind blows the sand dunes into the shape of E equals MC squared. You don't sort of chase down the wind and give it a PhD in physics, right? So, where there's not the same um, methodology, there really can't be any agreements and conclusions, because when the methodology is God says so, that's not a methodology at all. Or the Pope says so, if you're a Catholic, right? That's not a methodology at all. But merely a, a statement. And as a statement, it has no truth content, even if it happens to is sort of accidentally conform with the truth that would come out of a valid truth content, right? The million monkeys typing do not equal Shakespeare, right? So, uh, it's important that where there is no agreement in methodology, there really can be no agreement in conclusions. And this is not to, to sort of return to where we started. This is not to say that the conclusions that religious people come to about certain aspects of economics are invalid because they are Christians, right? I mean, that to me would not be uh, reasonable. So, uh, a gentleman on the board, when I was saying that my problem uh, with libertarian uh, Christians is not their libertarianism, fundamentally, but the, the superstition, right? The religiosity. Because, you know, talking snakes and sky ghosts and Jewish zombies and so on, it just seems like too silly to... You know, there's nothing that's, in a way, and I know some people think this about me, right, but there's nothing worse for a um, a rigorous discipline than for a crazy person to, to really like it. Right? And again, I'm not saying all Christians are crazy, right, but I mean, to say I reject evolution and believe in talking snakes and I'm a libertarian, for most people, they don't think, hey, you know, two out of three irrationalities, but the third one's really great, right? People just say, well, this guy believes a lot of crazy stuff, right? Talking snakes, no evolution, and uh, and libertarianism, right? <laughs> Bad money drives out good, and irrational beliefs drive out irrational beliefs in most people's minds, right? But uh, for those uh, libertarians who are religious and who, you know, come to valid conclusions about, you know, fiat money is bad, the government shouldn't control the money supply, initiation of force is wrong, 
and they have used philosophical principles, right, reason and evidence, in order to establish, to reason, prove, establish, and support these conclusions, then those conclusions, uh, to my way of thinking, and I, I think reasonably so, uh, are valid conclusions, because the methodology has been has been valid, right? I mean, if somebody says, we shouldn't have fiat money because Exodus 12.7 rails against it, well, that's that's not a valid methodology, right? But if somebody says, well, we shouldn't have fiat money because it relies on the initiation of force, and uh, it says counterfeiting is both a virtue and a vice, it's a virtue if the state does it, and vice if private citizens do it, there is no such thing as the state, we have opposing rules, it's irrational, but, you know, that, those kinds of arguments, then that's great, right? But that's because they're not bringing, <laughs> you know, gods, ghosts, and gremlins into the equation, right? So, somebody uh, uh, on the board was complaining, like when I said, well, I have a problem with the superstition of uh, uh, religious people. Uh, somebody uh, on the board was saying, well, but you quoted from Thomas Wood's uh, book, uh, Meltdown, in a recent uh, video and recommended the book to people, and that to me is, uh, it's not relevant. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not relevant because... You know, my dentist can be a good dentist even if he's a statist, right? He's just not a good philosopher if he's a statist. And I think that, uh, at least I would, I would hope that, uh, Christian libertarians would not consider themselves philosophers, uh, any more than I would consider myself a dentist, right? I mean, they are theists and libertarians, not philosophers in my uh, opinion. A um, little bit more than my opinion, right? Because you can't uh, have a big fundamental metaphysics epistemological <laughs> opposition within your mind where you have to make reason arguments according to evidence in the realm of economics and politics, but in the realm of existence and uh, consciousness, you can have a belief that goes entirely against reason and evidence, such as you know, consciousness without matter and, you know, eternity without having come into existence and, and all that kind of stuff, all, all the stuff, the square circle stuff that is deities, right? Because you, you don't, I mean, you don't have that luxury when you're a philosopher. You can have that luxury of being cluster gangly frack wrong in particular areas like theology and right in areas such as fiat currency. And if you're not a philosopher, you can uh, get away with it, right? But if you are a philosopher, then you don't you don't have the luxury of allowing yourself to believe nonsense. So, a mathematician who believes in God uh, but does not use any uh, theology to support his mathematical arguments, but instead uses logic, is uh, great. You know, because God doesn't come into it, therefore, it's not, it doesn't automatically enter into the realm of magic, right? I mean, would you really hire an engineer who said, oh, I don't know if this, I know this bridge will stand up because God told me, but won't show you any math, and in fact wants to build it out of soap bubbles? Don't worry, God assured me this is going to stay up, right? Well, 
you'd say, no, kind of need to see the math there, buddy. <laughs> right? And it's the same thing, right? So somebody shows you the math and has built a great bridge, designed a great bridge, and tensile strength and all that works out beautifully. He's using the right materials. And the fact that he's going to pray to God for the bridge to stay up doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> so, to the degree with which people are willing to show or their reason and evidence for their arguments, uh, fantastic. Then the question of God doesn't enter into it. Now, unfortunately, or I would say fortunately, fundamentally, as as a, uh, a philosopher, uh, I don't have access to magic spells, right? I, I don't have ad- access to the two great magic spells of mainstream libertarianism, right? The magic spell book called the Constitution and the magic spell book called the Bible. I don't have access to those things. So I can't say, well, this is virtuous or right or ethical or good or true because God says so, or while it's really hard to figure out how to uh, prove rights and property and, and how to get things enforced without the magic spell called, let's get back to the <laughs> the, uh, the, the spellbook tome of the Constitution. I, I don't have these magic pieces of paper to wave around to uh, as conclusions to really difficult problems. Now, um, with uh, all due humility, I hope, I will say that I did wave a magic spellbook around, although there's much less magic in it, a magic spellbook around for quite some time called Objectivism. And uh, Objectivism, I think, is a lot closer to the truth, and I have no particular quibbles at all with Objectivism in terms of metaphysics and epistemology. It's really only in ethics and, of course, in politics that I differ from the great goddess Rand, and I don't mean that even slightly satirically uh, the woman was a, a goddess to me anyway uh, it's my I'm sorry it's just it's too masculine the Christian religion I prefer worshipping the uh, the, uh, the uh, horse Russian chiclets so uh, I had this you know magic uh, spell book and it turned out to me that it was not satisfactory and, and so I began to work on uh, a theory of ethics that I hope transcends magic <laughs> to uh, to miracles <laughs> you know we'll see it seems to be holding up all right but you know we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes but um, I just I don't I don't have I just I can't do it right I, I simply I, I can't do it and call myself a philosopher I, there is no corner of reserved magic right you know here a miracle occurs and out pops the truth there is no there are no miracles in philosophy there's no magic in philosophy there is nothing that you can assume in philosophy and there's no pockets of personal biased bigoted preference that you can hang on to in opposition to reason and evidence I mean the moment you do that you're not a philosopher anymore you just some guy with some opinions right I mean if you're not willing to I mean if you don't do science you're not a scientist Right? If you go submit a paper to a biological society and society of biologists and say, well, I want to talk about the classification of orcs as revealed to me by uh, Sauron and Morgoth, the lord god of the Silmarillion, they're going to say, thanks, but that's not really what we do, right? Uh, so if you, the moment you stop doing science, you're not a scientist. The moment you stop doing reason and evidence, you're not a philosopher. I mean, you can be an economist and work with supply and demand and say's law and all these other kinds of wonderful things. 
But the moment you bring God into economics, it's no longer economics. It's just nonsense. It's magic. And the moment you bring God into ethics and politics and science and <laughs> I mean it all just because just gets swamped down by a bunch of nonsense. So uh, to me, recent evidence, recent arguments is uh, is all that counts. It's all that counts. And if people show their work and it's got reason and evidence, then great. That's uh, you know a, a valid approach, and and that's great. That's a philosophical approach. But the moment they abandon that, two things happen, right? In in every realm that they abandon it in, it just becomes an opinion. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it was written in ancient Hebrew 5,000 years ago, it just becomes an old, rather throat-goggly spoken opinion. And the second is, the second thing that I get about somebody who veers off from reason and evidence to bias or a bigoted opinion in one way or another and, do, and doesn't notice the difference is that uh, it, the reason and evidence is not a consistent value for them, right? Yeah. And that's an important thing for me to know about someone, right? If if someone says, well, here's you know my recent arguments and evidence for Proposition A, and then Proposition B is true because God told me, then all I know is that they don't have reason and evidence as a consistent value. I, that, that for them, reason and evidence and the revelation of an imaginary sky friend, uh, some some you know ghost above the cumulus, that they're both equally valid. In other words, they have an incredibly contradictory approach to truth and don't seem to be particularly aware of the complete opposition and scalding difference between these two things, or these two, quote, approaches. Right, one of which is an approach, the other is just a bigoted assertion. This is because God X, right? Now, when somebody has these two opposing approaches in, uh, in his mind, it doesn't really seem to notice the difference between them, then that's a real problem, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> because they have these two opposing opinions, or these two op opposing methodologies, or one which is a methodology, and one which is not a methodology at all. <laughs> and they're making no attempt to resolve this contradiction. Right? So we got reason and evidence plus God says so, which is the o complete opposite of reason and evidence, since... God is the complete opposite of reason and evidence. So, on one hand, reason and evidence, on the other hand, God said so. And if somebody doesn't notice this contradiction, it just means to me that I have to be really careful around what this person says, right? Because they don't have a consistent methodology for dealing with something like uh, the truth, right? And if you don't have that, you, 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 I have to be really careful, right? I mean... I might be friends with some guy, or I might hang with some guy who occasionally, uh, that's not a great great way of putting it, but let's just say you didn't have a moral problem with this, and you had some friend who just occasionally hauled off and punched someone. I mean, it's not like, you know, maybe once a, um, once every two months, he just, you know, hauled off and punched someone. Uh, and let's say you had no problem with this. Well, it, it still wouldn't be a very, you know, yeah, most of the time he's not punching people, but still would be a, not a very relaxing person to be around, right? And it's the same thing when people could be rational a whole bunch of times, and then they get to this place where it's like, and God says so, it's just they hauled off and punched reason and evidence in the face and not noticed it. Well, yeah, okay, you're probably pretty safe, and <laughs> a lot of the time they're not doing that, but still. They're not quite as relaxing as somebody who doesn't uh, punch reason and evidence in the face, uh, even irregularly. So, so that's sort of my uh, perspective. I will 
absolutely take the expertise of people who leave God out of particular arguments, um, and that's that to me is 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 great. So I have no no particular issue. Now, the moment they bring God in and don't seem to notice, uh, then they are like uh, exactly the same to me as people who say, "Well, I don't know what the ethics of this are, but I want something done." And so, well, that's pass a law. Well, that's just magic, right? That's just using the magic of uh, books and guns to get things done, rather than reasoning from first principles. I don't trust those particular people, right, uh, to to be very reliable. And I always have to keep my eyes peeled for when the crazy comes in. And I, of course, prefer to spend my time around people with whom the crazy doesn't really <laughs> uh, come in. So, uh, so that's my you know particular perspective on it. I hope that that's uh, helpful or <laughs> at least somewhat interesting to you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I really do appreciate your kindness and support. And I will talk to you soon.